Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Joseph is showing what a true prophet of God is. A true prophet of God, he not only predicts the future as Joseph did, but then he transitions to be a helpful advisor tell him what he should do. And he points out specific ways for him to be rescued from this coming disaster. So the words in verse 33, now therefore, that's essentially the words of the gospel. The gospel. See, the Lord Jesus, he spoke a lot about hell, but it was always, when he spoke about hell, it was always with the now therefore. Now therefore, you know, the specific way to escape hell as he said in Luke 13.3, Luke 13.3, except ye repent, you shall all likewise perish. He's talked about perish, but he says there's an escape. Repentance. You will, re- you will perish, but repentance is your way of escape. So now Joseph, he tells, he tells Pharaoh what he must do. In verse 33, he says, you must find a person, a very special person who has two very specific qualifications which he calls discreet and wise in English, discreet and wise. In Hebrew, bean is discreet. The first word in Hebrew is bean, discreet. What does that mean? Well, always the way to understand what words mean in Hebrew in the Bible is not necessarily go ask an Israeli because that's what you'll get in common day understanding, you know. Look in the Bible for the explanation. And so in 1 Kings 3.9, for other places where it's used, 1 Kings 3.9, it says, 1 Kings 3, 9, he uses the word bean. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart. This is Solomon speaking to God. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern, bean, that's the word, between good and bad. For who is able to judge this so great thy people? So Solomon now is asking God for bean. He's asking for the ability to discern between the good and the bad. So bean has the meaning of discretion. It's a good word, discreet. It's a discerning. It comes from a Hebrew word that means to separate. To separate. As in being able to separate good from bad. And Solomon showed that he had this being, he had this great discernment, discretion, when the two prostitutes came to him and they were both arguing that a baby was theirs. And so Solomon proposed to cut the baby in half And at that point, the real mother says, no, don't do it. Let her take it. And then he knew that that was the good mother. The other was the bad mother. See, that was being. That was separation. So Joseph has told Pharaoh that the first quality he needs to find in a manager ruler, a manager ruler of the country, is this quality of discernment, of being. And the second quality that Joseph told Pharaoh he needs to look for in this manager ruler of the country, in verse 33, is wise. 
Let there, now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise. Set him over the land of Egypt. So the wise, that's the, the Hebrew word hakam, hakam. And it's translated as cunning. So again, what does it mean? We got to go look where it's used. Jeremiah 10.9, Jeremiah 10.9. It says, silver spread into plates. So now silver is being made into plates. From Tarshish and gold from Uphaz. And the work of the workmen. So the work of the workmen is to make the silver plates, to make these gold plates. That's the work of the workmen. And the hands of the founder. Blue and purple is their clothing. So now we're talking about blue material and purple material being made into beautiful clothing. And then it says, they are all the work of hunting, hakam, men. So this verse with explaining all this intricate, fine work of be describing as silver that's skillfully spread into plates and the work of work, that's the work of workmen and the blue and the purple material being described as woven into clothing. It's all skillful work. And it says this is all the work of hakam, men, skillful men. So the two characteristics that Joseph, that Joseph has told Pharaoh he needs to find is discernment and skill. Same things we look for at Scantabodies. <laughs> and this is what Joseph is telling Pharaoh. He needs to find for this work a manager ruler of Egypt, someone with discernment, being, who's because he's gonna have to this person's gonna have to select and choose supervisors, enforcers, accountants under him, many people, and he's gotta be able to build his team. And he's got to build his team with good team members, and he's got to be able to discern that's going to be a good team member. It's not going to be a good team member. Build his turn team by discernment, by being. You know, who's going to be trustworthy? Got to discern that. Who's going to be a slacker? Who's going to rest on the couch when he should be out working? Who's going to rest on the couch when no one's there to monitor him? He's got to discern that. He's got to build his team with discernment, being. Which team members to choose who are going to be loyal and they're not going to talk about him or about the government of Egypt behind the back of the ruler, the manager of the country. This means the person has to himself, himself, who he's going to choose here, has got to be a hard worker, not a slacker. He's got to have tremendous loyalty to Pharaoh. Now, to find the quality of a hard worker, Joseph might suggest that Pharaoh look first how long he's held down jobs. He might ask for a resume. And, and what the reason was that he left his previous employments. He might get references from his previous employers. Only don't ask Potiphar's wife. You gotta ask everybody else. <laughs> and, and to find the quality of discernment, Joseph might want to look carefully at the wife of the candidate to see if he showed discernment when he chose his wife as his life team member. And Pharaoh might want to, to, to find out if he's divorced and why he's divorced. Only Joseph might want to advise Pharaoh that first he should check the Egyptian privacy and discrimination laws first. Make sure he can ask those questions. But he, he might want to look carefully at his friends and, and, and of the candidate to see, does he show discernment in the friends that he chooses? Now, encompassed in this characteristic of being is really attitude. It's attitude. I remember Dr. Naramore, Dr. Clyde Naramore's first question in a psychiatric counseling session where he says, before you tell me anything about your problem, I just have one question, who are you mad at? 
<laughs> Who are you angry at? Because if a person is angry at someone in life, anger tends to be kind of like a jello. It doesn't get contained into one person. It sort of spreads out over all the areas of life. So if a person who's angry at someone in life, it's going to spread into a bad attitude toward people. You know, angry person always says, you're just, he doesn't say it, but inside they're thinking it, you're just like the person they're angry at. So that's no good. So Pharaoh is going to need to find a person who has a good attitude, who has a good attitude and is able to influence others around him with a good attitude. So to find a person with a good attitude, Pharaoh might want to ask the candidate these following questions to bring out. Does he have a good attitude? If you could change anything in your father or in your mother, what would you change? And then Pharaoh should listen carefully because then he should think that that's the authority figure in his life, mother or father. So what he's saying about mother and father, he's going to say about me because you're just like. And if you could change anything about your brothers and sisters, what would you change? What would it be? And then Pharaoh should think, well, those are peers. Those are people who, those are his team, his team, his brothers and sisters. So what he's saying about his brothers and sisters, that's what he's going to say about his, his other team members, because you're just like. And Pharaoh needs to use these questions to probe, to find a person that is discreet with the discretion to make good decisions in his life. And he uses these questions to find a person with a good attitude. But, but that's only half the requirement. It's only half the requirement for Pharaoh. He, he's got to find something else. because. And then Joseph tells Pharaoh, you need to find a manager ruler for Egypt that has the second really important quality of skill, hakam, who has the ability to be able to visualize in his mind the full scope of this project. I mean, this he has got to be able to do. He's got to have the ability to prioritize what needs to be done first so that the work is done efficiently. And he's got to have the ability to detail both material and labor needs to get this work done. And he's got to have the ability to set timelines and milestones and to keep them and a system for how he's going to monitor them and keep them to get the work done on time because there's only seven years of plenty to prepare the country, to be able to feed the country for seven years of famine. So... During the next seven years of plenty, this manager, this ruler, has got to make a complete assessment. He's got to go through all the land of Egypt. We, you know, we're going to see here that as soon as he gets the job, he, you're going to see this. As soon as Pharaoh gives Joseph the job, Joseph is gone. He is moving. Because he's, he's, got, to, he's got to make a complete assessment. Assessment of what? Where are all the people of Egypt living? And then draw boundaries to form regions based on the number of the people that live in each region. And then he's going to have to calculate how much food does a person eat per year and multiply that times seven and then multiply that time the number of people in that region. And that's going to tell him how much food he's going to need to feed that many people in that region. And then he needs a little buffer for the unexpected contingencies like people from the rest of the world coming in wanting food. <laughs> then based on that amount of food, he's going to have to calculate how large a storage facility, we're going to call them massive regional food storage units. I couldn't come up with, uh, with initials for that. So anyway, massive regional food storage units. So these, how large do these massive regional food storage units have to be that he's going to need? Then he's going to have to find property that's central to each region. And it's going to have to be large enough to build that storage facility. And he's going to have to give some thought to logistics and distribution for each region. 
And then he's going to have to give thought as to how he's going to move all that food for seven years into those massive regional food storage units. How he's going to get it in there. Then he's going to have to give some architects to come up with the basic construction of these massive regional food storage units for the building. And he's going to have to start to give him some thought to, you know, how are we going to guard these against rodents and mold and locusts and insects, you know? And then he's going to have to determine how this food's going to be guarded so it won't be stolen. And then he's going to have to determine how much labor is there going to be needed to build these massive food storage units. And then he's going to have to plan for how he's going to move enough building materials uh, on site for the construction for these massive food storage units in each region. And then he's going to have to hire skilled construction workers and foremen to build these massive food storage units. And then he's going to have to hire transporters of food and the guards and the inspectors and and the keepers of food. And he's going to have to determine how much money is going to be needed to pay for all these materials and labor to build these massive regional units. And that's not the only money. He's got to figure out how much money is going to be needed to pay all the guards and the food inspectors and the keepers and how much money is going to be needed to buy all this food during those seven years of, of plenty that has to be immediately available. And then after he's determined all those requirements, it's a lot. He'll have to make a task list of all and determine what should be done first and each task that has to be completed. And you think he's got seven years to do this? He doesn't. He doesn't because it's going to start right away. And during the seven years of plenty, he's got to be buying the food. So he's got to figure out how he's going to get some temporary thing going until the big massive food storage units are built. This is very, 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 very tough. And during this time when he's buying up all the food, he needs to be making sure that the construction is going forward so that these, these things are... When do the massive food storage units need to be completed? Yesterday. Okay, <laughs> yesterday. Because today we've got to start filling them. And I've probably forgotten something in the list. But from the list I've just given you, you can see that all this takes a tremendous amount of skill. So in verse 33, when Joseph says to Pharaoh, Now therefore, let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land. He's saying to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, you need this person yesterday. And Joseph is saying to Pharaoh, let Pharaoh look out a man. Let, you know, when he says that there, let Pharaoh look out a man. It's either going to be let Pharaoh look out a man or let Pharaoh look out. <laughs> it's going to be bad. Because he's saying that the most important person that Pharaoh must find is this head man. This head man, because he's going to direct the project. He's going to, have, he's going to be the one that's going to have the wisdom. And if there's one person in the Bible who knew how important it was to have wisdom in construction. It's the person in the Bible who constructed the most. You know who that was? Who constructed the most in the Bible? It was Solomon. Of course, it was Solomon. Solomon. And so Solomon is talking about his experience when he writes in Ecclesiastes 10.10, if the iron, Ecclesiastes 10.10, if the iron be blunt and he do not wet the edge, then he must put more strength. But wisdom is profitable to direct. And in Proverbs 8, 11, he wrote, wisdom is better than rubies. And Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes 9, 16, Ecclesiastes 9, 16, wisdom is better than strength. And Ecclesiastes 9, 18, Ecclesiastes 9, 18, wisdom is better than weapons of war. So Joseph is saying to Pharaoh, he needs to find a man with the wisdom that has both the attitude and the discernment and the skill. 
And if Pharaoh found a man with this good attitude and this loyalty and this discernment and no skill, then he would have a really nice person around him. <laughs> Very loyal. <laughs> but the job wouldn't get done. And in Egypt would starve to death. And if Pharaoh found a man with skill and not a good attitude, not loyalty, not discernment, he might end up with a military coup in Egypt. But that never happens in Egypt, so we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> and in verse 33, so what Joseph has done here is put a really tall order in front of Pharaoh. You can see how this is building the case for Pharaoh to look around and say, we got anybody like that? And he's going to say, you the man. But that's coming later. So in verse 33, Joseph put this really tall order in front of Pharaoh. And he needs to find a person with this good attitude, this loyalty, this discernment, and this skill. And then he says to Pharaoh in verse 34, there's an urgency about this, Pharaoh. Let Pharaoh do this. Let Pharaoh do this. He said, when he said, let Pharaoh do this, he's, he's saying, get on it, Pharaoh. Don't neglect this to find the right man. This is your most important task right now. It's the most important thing you have to do. Let Pharaoh do this. And then Joseph, he's guiding Pharaoh by saying, let Pharaoh do this. Let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. So when Joseph told Pharaoh, let him appoint officers over the land, here he's telling Pharaoh, look, Pharaoh, two things you got to understand. You can't do this alone, and this man can't do this alone. And so he's telling Pharaoh, you need to trust. You need to really develop your skill of trusting and relying on men who are going to be trustworthy, reliable. And your job, keep the big picture in view and have the people report to you on the progress in your area. That's what we do at Scanabies. We have regular manager meetings, about 55 people, where all the managers report to John and they report to each other on the goals and the progress that they've made in their areas. This is what Joseph is trying to build this team here for Pharaoh that he must immediately do is to appoint the officers over the land. In other words, give them, when he says, put the officers over the land, over the land, over the land, give them responsibility and authority. Don't make them come back to you, but you give them responsibility over the land. They have to have authority as well. So in other words, give them responsibilities and then hold them accountable to the responsibilities with the authority that you give them. And so he tells them this in verse 34, and then he tells them to take up a fifth part of the land. So what he's really saying here is take the harvest from a fifth part of the land during the seven years. Now, assuming that all of the yearly harvest from the land has been enough to feed Egypt, how much of the yearly harvest was enough to feed Egypt for one year? Assuming that all the land, all the harvest fed Egypt for one year, how much of the harvest was enough to feed for one year? Uh, all of it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> 100%. So if Egypt is living off the harvest already for each year, then all of the harvest is needed to feed Egypt for that year. So if Joseph wanted to put in store enough food for seven years and the harvest stayed the same, then he would take all of the harvest for each year and put it away for the seven years, and all of Egypt would die during the first seven years. <laughs> So it's just interesting that Joseph chose a fifth of the harvest for the store of the seven years. Because if during the seven years the harvest was going to be twice, okay, another question. If during the seven years the harvest was going to be twice as much, then how much would he have to collect to cover the seven years of famine? Half. Half, right? It's going to be twice as much, so he needs half. Okay. During the seven years, the harvest is going to be three times the normal harvest then how much would he have to take of the current harvest 
to put away for the current year. A third, right. So, but when he said during the seven years of planting, you, you take up one-fifth of the harvest storage, what does that tell you about how much plenty there was? At least five times. At least five times, because he only needs one-fifth to cover each year, okay? So, and since there was enough food to not only feed Egypt, but also those who came from outside of Egypt to buy a year, this might have been tenfold harvest during this usual time. It might have just tremendous. And we might have thought, now, because I've gone through all these details of everything, the plan, what he's got to do and all. And I wasn't there, but he probably had similar ideas. Anyway, the plan. We might have thought that from verses 25 to 32, that where Joseph has laid out for Pharaoh the terrible disaster that's going to happen in Egypt, that there's obviously a great need. You might have thought that Joseph might have been tempted to lay heavy emphasis on the plan, heavy emphasis on the method to get wrapped up in that to put in place to save Egypt from starvation. But what's important about what Joseph has told Pharaoh is the order of what Pharaoh needs to do. Joseph has just told Pharaoh that the first and foremost and before anything else, he must find the man, find the right man. He's holding the right man that he's got to find. He's got to be this man with great discretion, great loyalty, great skill, great attitude. And by putting all this identification on the right man, Before the plan, Joseph is saying to Pharaoh, you need to find the right man. Don't worry about the plan right now. Just find the right man. The plan was useless if you don't have the right man to make it happen. The plan is to take up one-fifth of the harvest from the land. And the man who's going to make this happen, he's the most important. That's why at Scandibites, our position is that the most valuable resource of the company are the people. And that's why Joseph then laid this great importance in verse 34 to about the officers the officers, appoint officers over the land. So it wasn't just one man on the top to oversee the plan, but there had to be officers. Literally, they were overseers, overseers. So these officers over the land had to be men who could be and would be guided and encouraged by the head man. The officers over the land had to be teachable. They had to be not be bullheaded. They had to be not, not men who felt that if they saw the right way, then that was the way they needed to do it even if the head man didn't think that way. Like a person I was working with recently, he told me, you know, what you're asking me to do is not right. He was arguing. And finally, I had to say to him, you are right, and I am wrong. Now do it wrong. (laughs) And the officers over the land had to be men who would support the vision and the direction of the head man and not to feel that his goal and his place in life was to buck him and to be against him. And then notice how Joseph describes these officers, appoint men over the land, over the land. It's no good. They had to see, they had to take on this responsibility. They had to see this region, this area, this is mine. This is the, I take ownership of this. And that's how it would get done. So we could see here many lessons this morning as we learned from the life of Joseph and how he, he directed Pharaoh and also how he directs us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the life that you infused and that you were with and the Lord was with Joseph. Thank you, Lord, that we can see great riches here of how we should then live in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God, 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.